church. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? <laughs> All right. Um, the title of my sermon today is, or this afternoon, is Two Women. And I'd like to begin in Luke 17, where John read. And thank you for your reading and prayer. Um, in this passage, Jesus is really saying, talking about the things that are going to be going on when he comes again, his second coming. So he's referring to his second coming. And Jesus is saying that many people, many will be unre un unprepared. And he compares his, his return to what happened during Noah's day when the flood came, when only eight people were saved. And also um, he compares it to the destruction of Sodom. Um, when so many people lost their lives as well. And when you look at that verse, if you look at that, that was Luke 17. Um, and starting around, the reading started around verse 26 and went on to 33. And when you look at that, it's really important for us to, to think about verse 33, which says, Whoever seeks to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. So we need to understand what, what does it mean to keep, keep one's life. And when we look back at verses like 26, actually 26, 27 and 28, uh, particularly I have 27, 28 here, it gives us an idea. He points out that they were involved in all the normal things of life, eating and drinking and conducting business and, and doing things and building things, enjoying life and probably preparing for their future. It seemed to me that Jesus was saying they were just doing the ordinary things of life. And those things can actually be, you know, our undoing. It, he, uh, and he warns us not to be like Lot's wife. Which I, when I was reading this, and I had a note of it, but it just seems like a strange thing to stick in there. But do you remember Lot's wife? She looked back. She looked back. And it's interesting when we we'll look at that in Genesis. And in Genesis, it doesn't really it doesn't explain what it was that she did and what it meant. But in here, Jesus does. He he puts it into he gives it a meaning as to, to what, uh, what she may have been doing or what she seemed to be, have been doing. Um, but Lot's wife can be an example for us of what not to do, what not to be. Um, so she's the first woman that we're going to look at today. The story of Lot is told in Genesis 19. And when, that was when God sent two angels to, uh, it may have been God himself, but these, these, they appeared as, as, to be men, and they came to the city, and they found Lot sitting in the city gate. 
And so he had, he had somehow risen to some prominence, I suppose, and Lot was thinking they were travelers. He invited the men to stay at his house that night. And Lot prepared a feast for them, and they ate. And uh, before they prepared for bed, Lot's house was surrounded, remember, by the men of that city, and they wanted to actually rape these men. And they wanted to have sex with these men uh, by force. And Lot goes outside to try to reason with them and, and try to protect his guests, but the men would not listen. And uh, they began to break down the door. So these two angels pulled inside and they uh, struck the men out there with blindness. So they could no longer get in the, try to get in the house. So they were, they were blind. And then the angel asked Lot um, to go get anyone else he has in the city because they're going to destroy it. And um, so Lot goes out and he warns his two son-in-laws because these men are engaged to his daughters. The Bible calls them son-in-laws who are about to be marrying to his daughters. And you, you remember what happened. He, he tells them, you know, warns them about what's going to happen, and they think, they think he's joking. So this, is, this has got to be a joke. You must be kidding. Um, and these two young men do not take Lot seriously. They don't listen to him. Um, and I don't, under, I don't know, you know, but it's like he didn't have that influence with them. They wouldn't accept his message. So they did not leave. They didn't go. Um, then we're going to pick up again in Genesis 19, uh, verses 15 through 17. It says, When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, and you will, or, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. So the men seized his hand, and, and the, wife, the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters uh, for the compassion of the Lord, for the, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought them, brought him out and put him outside the city. When they had brought him outside, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Continuing on, in, uh, with, starting in verse 23, it says, The sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zor. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew and what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. So she looked back when they had told her not to. And I don't know why that uh, turning back would, um, and look at the destruction, cause her to be turned into a pillar of salt. But I do know, and we do know, that God's messenger had told them not to look back. And I know, based on what Jesus said in Luke 17, there was something in the past that she was trying to hold on to. Um, there was something 
in Sodom that she wasn't ready to let go of, apparently. And it caused her to lose her life. And it's just interesting how one part of the Bible explains and helps us to understand another part. And that should encourage us to want to know the whole part. And as we read and, and, and hear about these lessons, we'll be enlightened and we'll say, oh, that's what that meant. Um, but when we look at those things that Jesus mentioned in Luke 17, again, they were the normal things of life um, that we all, that are common, eating and drinking and conducting business and building. And I think you could add, you know, having uh, enjoyment with your friends and family, running your business, doing your shopping. Um, those things, apparently, something like that caused Lot's wife to turn back and look back. And, you know, I don't know if it was her son-in-laws or other people who she knew um, or friends or maybe it was the home. Maybe it was thinking about the home she would not see again. Um, and maybe one last look is what she was trying to do. And um, it might seem unfair, but it was it was back there that caused her to disobey God, to obey the command of God. You know, and Lot's wife had enough faith, even though they, they actually had to almost drag them out. You know, you notice when he had to drag them by the hand to pull them out, she at least didn't resist that. She had enough faith to, to run, but not enough faith to obey. And that's something that we need to, to make sure that we don't fall into that. The angels had to drag them by the hand to get them to really get going. Um, she didn't reject the message the way the son-in-laws did, but she still lost her life because of her disobedience. We have to make sure that there's nothing in our lives that, whether they're good things or bad things, whether those things, whether we cling to those things um, and then disobey the commands of God. The result to clinging those, to those things um, that may mean so much and come to mean so much could mean we're losing our, our life. We lose our souls um, relative to God. And again, we need to come back to the, what that verse 33 in Luke 17 said, whoever seeks to keep his life shall lose it. And whoever loses his life shall preserve it. Now we're going to take a look at something that happened in the life of Elijah. And this is taking place in 1 Kings 17, uh, starting verse 1. And in that passage, Elijah tells King Ahab that it's not going to rain except at the word of Elijah. And the Bible says it didn't rain for three and a half years. So there was a drought and famine in the land, and God told Elijah to go to a brook um, from which he could drink. And do you remember that? That he went to the brook and he would drink and ravens brought him bread so he could survive. They, bred him, they brought him bread and meat. Uh, but finally, the brook dried up. But God had another plan for preserving the life of Elijah, his prophet. Do you remember what that was? Um, I know because I just looked it up. <laughs> if you look over in 1 Kings 17, uh, going down to verse 8, it says, 
Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow was there gathering sticks. And he called out to her and said, Please get me a little jar of little water in a jar that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterwards you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty, until the day that the Lord says rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word which he had spoke through Elijah. How do you think that woman felt when she got that request? She's like, you have a lot of nerve. <laughs> it's like, I'm ready to die, and you want me to make something for you. The woman thought she and her son were going to die. Why did she obey the request of Elijah? Why should she give what she thought was the last meal for herself and her son away to Elijah? If you read the first part of the chapter, um, you know, if you read, when we read the rest of the chapter, we learn that she really didn't trust Elijah. She didn't really know for sure that he was a man of God. Um, so she wasn't really convinced with what he said. But I think we can see, and it, it explained why she did it. So why did she do it? Uh, take what was for her son and give it away. And you remember back in verse 8, what did God tell Elijah? It said that he had commanded a widow there to provide for him. And I don't remember, when I was looking at this, I didn't notice that previously, that somehow God had commanded this woman or told this woman that she was going to be taking care of this man who was going to be coming her way. And apparently that was why she did it. Um, the Bible doesn't tell us how God commanded the woman to provide for Elijah. It just said that he... Uh, just said that God commanded her, and she obeyed the command, even though she certainly didn't have confidence in Elijah. And put yourself in her place. How would you feel? Imagine the conflict she felt um, to put this strange man ahead of her son. However, although she was not a Jew, she believed and obeyed the command of God. And uh, sometimes... The things that were commanded 
you know, there are things that we are commanded to do, and we need to be doing them. We need to accept them and do them. And uh, they may not always be easy or understandable of what God is calling us to do. Um, I'm going to read the, the, some more of this chapter, 1 Kings 17, continuing on in verse uh, 17. Now it came about after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became sick. So after all this that they had gone through, uh, where the, the, uh, the oil did not run out and they continued to have food, after that had happened, it is that the boy, the, young, the, uh, the son of the woman, became sick. And his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, Why do you, why do I have, what do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to bring me, to bring to me my iniquity, to remembrance, and to put my son to death. He said to her, Give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. He called to God, he called to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Then he, then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the word of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. So it was only after Elijah um, prayed to God and raised her son from the dead that she really believed who he was, that he was a man of God who would speak the truth. And so as I see it, he, she was just obeying the command of God when she uh, fed uh, this man, um, who she didn't know, apparently. And she provided for I, Elijah, even though she didn't trust Elijah. Um, but she trusted God. And God proved to be faithful to her. And her food did not run out, and her son was brought back to life. Even though she had doubts and fears, she was blessed for her obedience. Um, and when we remember the promises and, um, and faithfulness of God, it should be easier for us to let go of trying to preserve our own things and our own ways um, we need to remember that God wants to bless us. He doesn't want to hurt us. He wants to bless us, um, but he wants us to do things in his way. Um, and sometimes his way doesn't seem to make sense, or it seems inconvenient, but that's when we have to trust God, and we have to realize that he is good, and he wants good for us. So the two women, Lot's wife and the widow of Zarephath, they both received commands from God. One obeyed, and seemed, it seemed like that would cause her to lose everything. 
Um, and yet, her life was preserved, her life was saved in that of her son. The other woman disobeyed, and she lost her life just as she was reaching the place of safety. And it's just something to think about that when we seem like we're losing out by obeying God, we're really winning. Again, Luke 17.33 says, Whoever seeks to keep his life shall lose it, and whoever loses his life shall preserve it. So let us not become so focused on you know, our own concerns, our own family, our own friends, and our job and our possessions and our businesses that we forget God and therefore lose God. We can be so involved in maintaining our own lifestyle that we forget God and his promises and his commands. Jesus warns us not to become too attached to this world. I believe one aspect of attempting to save our lives is just to avoid doing what needs to be done or avoid saying what needs to be said. And, you know, there may be people we need to say some things to or things we need to do. And failing to do that is not loving, um, but it's just not being willing to do what's uncomfortable. So we need to, to accept what God has told us and do what we need to do or say what we need to say. Um, not doing so is really dis- disobeying God's commands. And as challenging as the things Jesus said are, his life, his way, is the best way for us to live. Um, one of my favorite passages is that Matthew 11, 28-30, where Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Jesus could say that his yoke is easy, his way is better than any other way that we have. And, and as difficult as it may be for us to see at times, the life Jesus has called us to is the best possible life. And we just have to learn from Jesus and learn to accept his way and obey him. And Jesus came to reconcile us to God so that we could have a relationship with God and that our character would gradually become like God's character. To come to Jesus, we have to trust him and believe him and uh, as in believing him as the Son of God who paid the penalty for our sins by dying on the cross. And he caused each of us to give up our, own, our old ways, our old sinful ways, and repent and to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And then we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, The work of the Holy Spirit is to change us from the inside out so we can become like Jesus, we can become like God, but we we have to give up our lives. You know, we have to give up our own way and let God have our, have his way in our life. And that's going to help us to save our life in doing so. So if anyone wishes to come forward and ask to, if you would like to be baptized, or if you would just want to come forward and have uh, prayer and rededicate yourself to Christ, um, you can do so now as we stand and sing the Song of Invitation.